This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. As someone scared of heights, I find going to an amusement park to be a messy proposition. On the one hand, there's always some rides and attractions I can still stomach. On the other hand, after a certain age, everyone sort of just assumes you're there for the roller coasters. For many years, I really tried to learn to like coasters. I certainly get the appeal in theory, if not in practice. Eventually, though, I've come to accept and even appreciate that it's my job to watch my friends or family's purses and bags while they scream their heads off. In this week's story, teller Tiffany Moten shares how her own enjoyment of these thrill rides came to hold a special place in her relationship with her father. Recorded live at Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago in November 2022, Second Story is proud to present Roller Coasters. younger twin sisters were piled into our navy blue minivan. I was nine going on 30 and the thought of riding in the back seat for two hours while my five-year-old twin sisters talked endlessly in incomplete sentences and incoherent babble seemed far too great a burden to bear. But I knew what awaited at the end of that two-hour journey and for me it was worth the wait. Tickets to Six Flags Great America were pretty easy to come by, and every year my family made the trip to Gurney, Illinois. Roller coasters were my favorite. The rush, the feeling of fear when I reached the top, and the ache I felt in my stomach when I dropped was a high I could not let go of. My dad had been my roller coaster partner since I first set eyes on a kiddie ride at five. Disneyland, Disney World, and Six Flags were our go-tos. I think roller coasters made him feel young, but roller coasters made me feel free. At nine, I had already settled into a role of being the oldest, and that came with obedience. It meant being responsible to lead by example. Roller coasters were my escape from all that. As our van merged onto I-94, in an effort to pass the time, my dad started a game of I Spy. I spy something that is green. The expressway sign, I said. My mom joined in. I spy something that is yellow. The Volkswagen car. My dad responded, Tiffany, give your sisters a chance. I kicked off the next round with I spy something that is blue. Minutes went by as we waited for an answer. My my sisters looked at each other without speaking and then said in unison, the sky. That wasn't really the right answer, but I needed to move the game along. And (laughs) waiting for them to get the answer right was much more excruciating than allowing them to win the game. (laughs) Round after round we played, and at the end of each round, I wheeled the dashboard clock to move faster, but the the numbers refused to shift. I began to grow impatient until my dad turned the music down and yelled over the piercing screams of my sisters in order for us to strategize. First, we do the American Eagle. That is the oldest roller coaster and will have the shortest line. I shook my head excitedly in agreement. If you were lucky and spent a full eight hour day at Six Flags, you could ride three roller coasters. 
Each roller coaster lasted about two minutes, approximately six minutes of thrilling, stomach-dropping, voice-losing madness. The days of fast passes and VIP lines had yet to exist, and it was truly a game of luck, strategy, and patience. After the American Eagle will do the Superman, said my dad. This is the newest roller coaster. Your feet dangle on the Superman as you twist and turn in the air. My eyes grew in size, mimicking a cartoon character whose eyes burst out of their head. Then, my dad said, there's the raging bull. To experience the raging bull was to experience a complete loss of control. The painfully slow creep to the top of the 204-foot drop would make the most experienced daredevil shiver with fear. Our roller coaster strategy distracted me just long enough for the American Eagle to peek through the clouds, and as we inched closer, I felt the excitement vibrate at my fingertips. We pulled into the parking lot, and I aggressively pulled the, sand, the van side door open, hopped out, and began to walk. Before I made it too far, my mom called out to me, Tiffany! I turned around. What are you doing? You're just gonna leave without your sisters? I sighed and made a quick 180. My, my parents took them out of their car seats and I held one of my sisters by her slimy hands and my other arm carried one of the many bags my sisters required to exist. We all walked slowly to the gates. Most of the time, my parents would split responsibilities. My mom would get on the kids' rides with my sisters and my dad would ride all the roller coasters with me. I was released of my duties and free from being the perfect eldest child and sister. My dad had quite the sugar addiction, so I was able to stuff my face full of funnel cake without being reprimanded. I was never a good dancer, but in roller coaster lines, I felt encouraged to dance erratically to the bad music played on the monitors. I had my dad's full attention, so I could tell him about how three weeks ago, my sister took my favorite blue pencil, and I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to bother anyone. When we reached the end of the line, I jumped up and down, bursting with excitement, but also on the sugar high from the funnel cake. <laughs> By the time I hopped in and my dad sat beside me, my legs were shaking and my breath was heavy as the cart slowly carried us to the top. We paused and then dropped so fast I was no longer convinced that my stomach was in the center of my body. Two minutes felt like a lifetime, and I wanted to bottle up that feeling of liberation. My dad was a talented pianist in a blues band and often stayed out late on the weekends. But when he was home during the day, he fully embraced the stay-at-home dad title and I was his assistant. Every morning, I woke up, got dressed, and ran to my sister's room to help them get ready. My dad changed their clothes and I would distract them with my rendition of the 1990s version of Baby Shark. Distraction was key in the morning because it prevented tears and tantrums, which we had no time for. Every minute mattered. My mom rushed off to work and I helped my dad feed my sisters. He normally walked me to the bus stop, but one morning the kitchen looked like a crime zone and my sisters needed his undivided attention. I grabbed my backpack and walked out the door. The bus stop was only a half a block away in our suburban neighborhood, and after a few steps of hesitation, it began to feel familiar. I walked cautiously, but confidently, until I heard my dad say, Tiffany! I abruptly turned around to see my dad running with my sisters in his arms. You're not ready to walk by yourself yet. 
I thought I was ready. At the bus stop, I looked up at my dad as he towered over me, frowning, not particularly happy with my decision to try and walk by myself. The bus arrived and he kissed me on the forehead and sent me on my way. When I took a seat, I waved to him through the window and he released my sister's hand long enough to wave back. Then he motioned to open my backpack. I unzipped my bag, pulled out my Goosebumps book and noticed $1 tucked between the pages. My dad had given me just enough money to get a warm cinnamon roll, my favorite cafeteria treat. As the years passed, so did my responsibility. My family's ecosystem was dependent on everyone doing their part, and I always did my part. But I craved moments of freedom. My family would attend church almost every Sunday. And one particular Sunday, I wanted to ditch the dresses and tights that were laid out for me and wear my favorite pair of pants. They were a shiny black material with a flare that fanned out with every step. Our church was old school and it required women, but especially 13-year-old girls, to wear dresses or skirts on Sunday mornings. But I was convinced that God loved these pants just as much as I did. <laughs> these pants deserve to be seen. They deserve the runway of the Lord. <laughs> I got dressed to help my dad get my sisters in the van. We pulled into the parking lot 15 minutes after church had started, which was on time for us. As we walked into the church, I noticed a sea of older women in oversized church hats turn their heads while we searched for a place to sit. My mom and dad looked confused as we took our seats. Why are they looking at us like that? My mom did a quick scan and noticed my pants. If it was possible for fire to shoot from someone's eyes, I believe that in that moment, my mom would have exhibited the ability to. My dad cracked a smile, but quickly replaced it with a look of discernment in an effort to create a united front. But after service, as I walked down the red carpet that shifted slightly over the 60-year-old wooden floors, a static gathered at the bottom of my feet, and the rainbow of judgmental hats that slowly shifted while we walked by couldn't disturb the feeling of complete and utter satisfaction. <laughs> my junior year of high school, my family made our last trip to Six Flags Great America. When I noticed the top of the American Eagle, I felt a sense of nostalgia. We pulled into the parking lot and my sisters hopped out the van and ran to the front gates. They hated roller coasters, but enjoyed funnel cake more than any normal human being should. My mom followed closely behind them. My dad and I talked roller coaster strategy. I said, let's start with the raging bull. That will have the longest line and is the most fun. My dad replied, maybe that's the only roller coaster we ride today. Roller coasters still made me feel free. But as the years passed, they made my dad feel old. After years of late nights and early mornings, my dad's patience had grown thin, and the days of waiting in line for hours for a two-minute ride were a thing of the past. At 17, I no longer looked up while we walked, and I could see the fatigue in his eyes and the stress that formed wrinkles in his forehead. We walked shoulder to shoulder through the gates towards the raging bull. My dad and I got in line. We both opted to skip the funnel cake, and I couldn't be bothered to dance, but I sang along loudly to the TV monitor commercials that had not changed in almost 10 years. I told my dad about how one of my sisters had taken my jean jacket without asking, and I hadn't said anything about it because I didn't want to bother anyone. 
As we inched closer to the front of the line, my dad said, I'm gonna sit this one out, but you should still go. Why? I want you to come with me. You don't need me to go with you. You'll still have fun. I'll be waiting here for you. I hesitated, then felt that tingle in the bottom of my feet. He smiled reassuringly, and I sat down with the harness pressed firmly on my chest. I looked forward, aligned with the freedom that came with doing it on my own. We reached the top and plunged at 70 miles per hour. I screamed louder than I ever had and put my hands in the air. This had to be what it felt like to fly. This story was produced by Jenna Myers, curated by Julie Ganey and Lexi Saunders, and directed by Elisa Feder with music and sound design from Mike Benedict and Jeff Schaller. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Strauss Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.